just surreal. I can't really... It was one of them moments where you're trying to take everything in about walking up the stairs, but you're also in that moment as well. And I, I can still remember it now. It was just... It was surreal moments. And I think only when you see the cup that you'd actually realise what we'd done. Welcome to another episode of Highland Football Weekly with me, Ian Auld. Hope everyone is staying safe during this current lockdown. Not only staying safe, but keeping well. Uh, Before we get into this week's podcast, I want to start by talking about a a subject that we actually uh, do reflect on and touch on with our guest, Greg Tanzi, a bit later on. It's the subject of mental health. Of course, it's extremely relevant at the moment it always is relevant to be honest been thinking about how best to raise awareness of mental health and especially mental health support out there now there's a charity in particular that uh, i want to start promoting on the podcast and there's there's different ways that i'm trying to uh, raise donations for them and support them uh, in, in in a financial sense but i also want to use this platform to to raise awareness of mikey's line and not only the charity, but the subject of mental health. Because as their strapline says, it's okay not to be okay. Mikey's line themselves set up a few years ago after a number of suicides in the, in the Highlands. They run two services, a text-based support service, so you can get in touch with them via text message, Facebook Messenger, web chat, Twitter, Facebook. And I'll give you the details in a few seconds as well. They also run... They also run The Hive, which is a crisis centre with appointments and drop-ins available in Inverness City Centre. People struggle on a daily basis with a multitude of emotional and mental health difficulties, yet only a fraction of people feel able to talk about it. And Mikey's Line has been set up to help change that. Here are some of the ways that if you are having difficulties with your mental health, if you need to speak to someone, reach out to someone, and you feel you can't do that with family and friends, then get in touch with Mikey's line. You can text him today. That's 07786207755. That's 07786207755. Or you can find out more information about how you can reach out to them, the different avenues that are available to you. It's mikeysline.co.uk online and as I mentioned as well they do have a Twitter page and they also have a Facebook page as well so once again guys listen mental health extremely important at the moment it's okay not to be okay and if you need to talk to someone please reach out and talk to someone as I mentioned we do touch on mental health in the podcast with our guest Greg Tanzi and we'll talk about uh, that later on with Greg himself he felt the need to reach out and talk to someone about his mental health. Greg Tanzi, of course, part of that 2015 Scottish Cup winning squad with Cali Thistle. He actually had two spells at the club. He first signed in 2011. He spent 18 months at Stevenage before being lured back to the Highland capital under John Hughes and had some terrific moments in blue and red. Of course, he then went on to play for Aberdeen, which we'll talk about later on as well. He had a wee loan spell at Ross County and also 
ended his career at St Mirren. But, of course, we all know him as a Cali Jaggy, and there's some terrific moments, part of a very, very successful Cali Thistle side over the last couple of years. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode with Greg Tanzi. Delighted to welcome onto the podcast now Highland Football Weekly, former Cali Thistle and Ross County midfielder, Greg Tanzi. Greg, how are you? I'm not bad, thanks. I'm not bad, thanks, Aldi. I'm, I'm good. Good, I are you? I really say a Ross County midfielder. I didn't play for them much, but, uh, but yeah. But yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, it's still on the CV. You can still have that. Yeah, it is on the CV. Yeah, it is. How are you surviving lockdown? You were, you were just um, out for your your daily form of exercise, walking the dog. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I got out. I, I um, I got out. Take the dog for a walk. Yeah, around this time every day. If, I, if I'm off, off, off from work, he's he's at me trying to get a walk. So uh, I've took him out. Usual, usual walk. Uh, probably a bit of a longer one this time. So. He's, he'll be happy about that, yeah. So it, 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 don't get me wrong, it's tough. It's tough. It's you know the world's changed, probably for probably for good now after after this. Uh, so yeah, you know on the whole everything's everything's going well as best it can be really. I saw something online last week which made me laugh, and it pretty much epitomises my uh, lockdown so far. Anyway, you're, you're cooped up inside the house for hours on end staring at the same four walls, and then you're absolutely buzzing for a walk. We've basically turned into dogs. Yeah, yeah, we have, yeah, we have. I mean, I've had that, I had that uh, that problem a few times where I'm thinking, right, I need to get out of here. I've looked at the dog, the dog's asleep in his bed, going, looking at me, going, no chance, not again. <laughs> so, yeah, we definitely have been. I think the roles have been reversed, to say the least now. I think my uh, I think my kids have walked every inch of Culloden Woods and I've pretty much dragged <laughs> them round uh, Culloden Woods. But anyway, that's the the joys of lockdown. Greg, we're going to talk about your your career at mostly, of course, at Cali Thistle. Uh, that's where we knew each other from, and of course, that's where you had a a, a tremendous um, time at the football club as well. I know you had two spells there as well. Uh, talk to us about your early days in in football, though, because um, you you started out at Stockport County. Um, in terms of professional terms, am I right in saying that you were uh, you're a blue, you're a toffee, uh, a blue nose? Yes, uh, and I am. you you very yeah. nearly had the opportunity to join Liverpool. Yes, yes, I did. Um, what happened with that is I just seventeen, yeah, I was seventeen, just broke into the the Stockport first team, had a few first team games, um, made my debut, did did probably a lot better than people or myself was expecting at the time um, so I had a really good and that was towards the end of the season mm-hmm. uh, we had a it, it was like like the perfect storm really in terms of a young player coming in making an impact and then sort of the the window opened with um, in the summer so Liverpool got in contact with Stockport and wanted me to go to a a reserve tournament with the reserves in Milan, which was just great experience. Played against AC Milan. I think Napoli was one as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was like a like a four four game four games played with them. And it came to a, I was also training with them for about around the month at Melwood. You know, you had, you had the likes of Steve Stevie Gerrard and mm-hmm. Mascherano and Jabby Alonso and 
they were the midfielders at that time under Rafa Benitez. So that was a great experience just to see how they trained. You know, I had the I had the opportunity to train with them a few times as well, and just the standard was unbelievable. And it was something I really just that passing style and and how they deal with the ball and and pass it to the teammates. Uh, that was something I really probably looking back, I probably took that and tried to didn't emulate it in any way, but tried to emulate it a tiny bit um, in what I did as playing. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, they came in with they came in with an offer to Stockport at the time. Uh, Gary Ablett was the reserve team manager. Um, he's we've, we've lost him now, but he was a great mm-hmm. guy. He's someone who later on in my career was the manager of Stockport, and he gave me a new deal as soon as he came in. Really, so. I can uh, always thank him for that, and he was brilliant with me. He said, "Told me as it was." He said, "Listen, you know, I, I know you used to playing in the first team at Stockport. They were in League One at the time, but obviously, you come here, you're going to be a, a reserve. Uh, you're going to be in the reserves." And at that time, I think Liverpool had forty odd reserve team players. Wow. And and for the um, don't get me wrong, the money was the offer for money, as as you can imagine, was good. But it wasn't too much more than what I was on at Stockport, if mm. I'm really honest. That's probably why Stockport had financial troubles later on, <laughs> to be honest, because I was probably on a bit more money than it, than it should have been for that age. Uh, so, yeah, it came to a stage where I had to decide, really. I spoke to my family about it. And, you know, I was playing I was playing week in, week out at that stage in the in League One in professional level, first team level. and. It might sound stupid, but I thought it was myself and my family thought it was a bit of a back step in terms of sort of going back to the drawing board and have to fight through reserve team football again. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of players can get lost in that reserve team setup, you know. Because I mean, you just look at the you look at the midfielders I had in front of me, Steve Gerrard, probably one of the best sort of midfielders in my opinion ever. Mm-hmm. Um, Mascherano and Javi Alonso World Cup winner yep. you know they, these are these were top 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 players that I had to try and sort of get amongst um, and I don't think that stage probably I just wanted to play football and I don't obviously I wouldn't have done that with Liverpool so I decided to stay Stockport people probably thought at the time was mad um, but yeah it was just it wasn't really I've never been one really to think about money side of things um, probably now I look back I probably should have <laughs> as, a, as a look back and you, you, you think you think you know I could have just jumped on the, the gravy train if you like and just, just not played but just keep getting money in but then you don't know how long you're going to stay in the game if you're not playing so there was that there was that as well which I had to take into consideration so yeah I decided to stay I was going to say it's a bit of a well, it's a di- it's a different dream come true, I suppose, because uh, as a as a as a Everton supporter, that might not be a dream to play for Liverpool. But I mean, when a club like Liverpool come from come sniffing, but it's actually quite a refreshing attitude as well, because you know you hear of, especially down south, a lot of the big teams. I mean, they have endless amounts of players in those youth systems. But um, your families, you mentioned there, they you know guided you towards Stockport. And, and getting more games yeah. under your belt because that is effectively what you that's how you learn isn't it I mean that's you learn by playing yeah. games okay you could play reserve football but you know the rough and tumble of the lower leagues will 
will put you on a, a a good path. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I think it builds you as a player as well. I, I mean, there was there was actually two players that that would had interest from Liverpool at the time. Myself and one of my teammates, uh, Ryan Crowder, which was in the he was in the youth team with me mm-hmm. at Stockport, and we were both sort of doing really well and. Unfortunately, he fell out of the game. He went to Liverpool and fell out of the game. Um, and looking back, you know, you don't wish that on anyone. He was a great lad um, and a very good player. But it sort of justified my uh, my decision in a way because, yeah, I could have signed for Liverpool, you know, but I wouldn't have made as many appearances or sort of, it, you know, had as many experiences as I, I did doing what I did, so I don't regret it anyway. You mentioned there that, that Gary Ablett um, takes you, it takes over at Stockport and and gets you involved in the first team. I was very fortunate to spend uh, twenty minutes in his company when he was in Inverness. Actually, uh, a few years ago, he was manager of that Liverpool reserve team. They took on Cali Thistle in Barry Wilson's testimonial. Um, you get into the first team at Stockport County and then an opportunity to come north. To, to Inverness uh, quickly arises. Uh, you join Cali Thistle in 2011. Uh, Terry Butcher is, of course, the manager that season that you're you're at Cali Thistle, your first time round anyway. Uh, talk to us about how that move to Inverness, Cali Thistle, come about, and also uh, what were your kind of early exchanges like with uh, Mr. Butcher himself? Yeah, well, I mean, I'd, it was it was funny how it happened. I heard of the, the, of the interest. Um, and I'd never moved away from home before, so I knew that it'd be good for me to get away, out of my comfort zone, um, and just experience new things. And sort of that was sort of the start of my I felt my career because I was moving away. Because beforehand I was just living at home with my mum and dad. Nothing had really changed from I was still obviously playing at Stockport, but it was only half an hour down the road. So I. You know, I hadn't moved away before, and I thought it was really going to develop me anyway in that way. So I always had a an idea that I wanted to move away and and sort of really experience football. And then when I heard of the the interest, I'd I just literally watched Inverness beat Celtic on TV on Sky, mm-hmm. and I was a big follower of the Scottish League. I've always been a big admirer of it as a kid. For some reason, as a kid, I used to I I always wanted the. Um, the Scottish Premiership match ball that my mum and dad used to get me for Christmas and okay. I used to knock about with that in the street. It was green. I still like, it was a mitre one, white one with green sort of mitre signs and I used to love it. Um, so yeah, I'd always I'd always followed the game um, and then you'd add Terry Butcher into the fold and he's a, he's, he's a legend, isn't he? So mm. I spoke to him. Um, me and my agent actually flew up to Inverness and had, had dinner with... with with Terry and he just he was just brilliant he was just brilliant he I knew he'd get sort of I knew he'd really push me into being a better player um, and yet it's, it, he really sold the place to me I, I thought Inverness as, when it, as soon as it came up it was, it was a lovely place really it's something I really enjoyed while I stayed there and you could see that from the first time it came up with when I spoke to Terry so as soon as I spoke to Terry it was pretty much a done deal uh, I was happy to come up do you remember what Terry Butcher said to you? I mean, he is, he's, he's a, he's a, well, a tremendous character, isn't he? I mean, you, you, you obviously worked with yeah. him very closely that year, but he's these, he's that kind of guy. You always hear about 
people when they they walk into the room, the attention goes to them. Terry's one of them, isn't he? I mean, when you he's quite an intimidating character, but also, um, you know, he he's a lovable character. He he just you know he he fills a room. He, you know, he commands. Uh, respect and attention, and you know, in this in equal measure. Can you remember those kind of early conversations you had with him? Yeah, yes. Yeah, one of the first things I noticed of him, he's got that aura, that presence about him. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you've either got that or you haven't. You can't put put that on. You can't act like that because you just come across in the wrong way. So he had that straight away. Um, one thing he did say to me is, um, obviously, he said you're playing in League League One at the minute um, in England, and you know. For you, this is you're sort of doing well at, at regional level. So Stockport were in sort of the Greater Manchester, sort of Northwest area. He said you're doing really well at that level, but when you come into the SPL, if you do well in the SPL, you can make a name for yourself. Mm-hmm. And straight away, you got you got me with that. You got me with that coming up, making a name for myself, if you will. And and really, he showed me the way that the how crazy and how passionate the supporters are. And that that's something you don't get down in England. It's you're playing in front of you know, you're playing in front of smaller crowds and you don't really get that chance to go to a big stage. And he said you you know, you've got the experience of Celtic Rangers, there's Tyne Castle as well, which is my favourite place to play. You know, I I'm not just trying to butter you up here Aldi, but that's my favourite place to play. <laughs> it's uh, my favourite place to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, it's just the stadium. I just love it. I just love it. I think the atmosphere is brilliant. And yeah, it was something that, yeah, it was something that he sold to me. And you know, I was all in with it. Where as soon as, as soon as I spoke to him, he sold the sort of the way Scotland is for the football. Yeah, it was a no-brainer. That's that season that you're there was the season before Cali Thistle had a a really you know a really good season. I know there was a lot of kind of uh, movements in the in the playing um, staff. There was a a few uh, players left that summer, and there was a few arrived that summer as well. You were one of them. Uh, the likes of Gregory Taddy arrived as well. Uh, Thomas Piermeyer. There was a lot of kind of comings and goings that season, and obviously we know about the success after that. But when you look at that playing squad that season, there was actually, I mean, there was actually okay. The the the, the side finished tenth, but. I mean, there's some cracking players in that in that team uh, as well. What were your first impressions of your your new teammates? I mean, the likes of Johnny Hayes was still at the club. Andrew Shinney was there that season as well. Graham Shinney, of course. Richie Foran was the club captain, and the likes of Ross Tokley, Ryan Essen in there as well. What were your first impressions of your your new teammates? Yeah, the, f- the first impressions was a sort of as you said, it was a big turnover of players, and there's that sort of unknown element to it. You don't know how the how the players are going to. Are gonna sort of knit and 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 gel. Um, for me, for me, it was just on a on like a personal level. I was just focused on sort of settling in because it'd been the first first time I'd moved away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see obviously you got Johnny Hayes and Andrew Shinney, which they were fantastic players. You could see that straight away. Uh, even I think Shinney came in on on trial that year, and you could see how good he was. So I, I was always confident that we had that we could. We could stay up and sort of do well. The only sort of thing that I look back on was I didn't. I took me time to sort of settle and really hit the ground running. I, I had a few a few good first games against Motherwell, 
Motherwell and, and Dunfermline mm-hmm. um, early early on the first few games in the season. But I had to I had to spell f- over a couple of months where one or two months where I, I wasn't up to the standards that I should be. Um, at that time, Terry Terry was great great with me, just sort of keep encouraging me and saying, you know, you're doing the right things. Things will come. And then, a sort of as soon as he hit near November, December time, you know, I, I I really felt like I sort of came into my own then, and, and then we kicked on towards the end of the season, stayed up. It wasn't really the what I was after in terms of just staying up, but you know, we did have a we did have a bad spell early on, so just to stay up and keep keep Inverness in the league was was sort of a a priority that we did we did get to. You mentioned the the early few months. Um... I'd completely forgotten about this until I had a look back at that season. You were sent off in a game uh, in November against Celtic at home. And they had a taste already of Celtic before and you'd played Rangers at home already in the the early few games of that season. But you were sent off against Celtic in a clash with uh, Georgia Samaras. And it was one I'd completely forgotten about. I was there at the game as well and I remember at the time and uh, Terry very famously said afterwards how you know, he hardly laid a fingernail on him. Can you remember that uh, that altercation with uh, Samaras? You were obviously sent off for. Uh, I think the referee yeah. admitted at the time it was a. He thought it was an elbow, but as Terry rightly pointed out, it might have been a fingernail at most. Yeah, yeah. At the time, I remember. I just remember the ball coming up between us, and he's 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 a big guy, he's a tall guy, so we just tried to get up early, and I felt no contact on him whatsoever. So I was. I was a bit bemused in the in the twenty thirty seconds afterwards as to why it got stopped, why the the ref blew his whistle, and then when I seen the red card, I was almost I almost turned around and thought is that for for me, and I know like that's that's a lot that's what people do when you know you've done something wrong, but you know you try and play on I haven't touched them, but genuinely I was just a bit sort of gobsmacked with it, um, and then when it came in came into the changing room I looked at it back and I think I think at the time that was my first sense of of how quick some referees are in Scotland to get a red card out mm-hmm. without really knowing um, and yeah it was just it was it was a, I'd say it was a learning curve for me in, in sort of because it was still young at the time so it was learning curve for me in sort of gamesmanship and Obviously, he's just made the most of it to just try and get us get me sent off, and that was my first really taste, first real taste of that. So yeah, it was just I just knew he'd sort of done me over a little bit, and don't get me wrong, there was there was there was things said in the dressing rooms after after the game and stuff like that, and you know I wasn't too happy about it. But looking back on it now, he's it was just for me to be waving my arms even though I didn't touch him it was probably probably a bit naive from me but again I'm just trying to get up to, to sort of match him in the header but yeah the sportsmanship not something I like to be honest I couldn't go down like that like he did but yeah it was a, it was a, it was a learning curve yeah I mean we all know in Scotland that uh, the old firm do get their their fair share of, of refereeing decisions. However, there is one a few years on which we'll touch on where it does actually go Cali Thistle's way against Celtic. And I think you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, Josh Meekins <laughs> might have been involved yeah. uh, in that one. Um, yeah. Greg, that, um, as, I, as I mentioned there, there was a, 
a lot of kind of interesting uh, characters in that team as well. Some lively characters. And um, we've already mentioned, you know, like Sir Johnny Hayes and Richie Foran. What was the the dressing room like? Because, um, like I say, there, there there's a few chirpy guys. There's a few older guys in there. How was that that dressing room? A good uh, a good mix of characters in there. Yeah, it was a good mix. It was a good mix. You know, there was there was there was a language barrier at times with a few with a few players, but you know, the likes of sort of Gregory Tade and 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 other ones like that. Kenny Gillay as well. He was mm-hmm. a he was a nice guy. So there was a lot of good guys, and and one thing I've always said about Inverness, the dressing room's always brilliant. Always has been the best dressing room I've been in in football. Um, you know, and and at this stage where I was at with you know when I first arrived you know it was it was very good you had sort of Richie Foran in the you know he used to sit next to me in the corner um, which was he was he was unbelievable I don't really think people people realise how good of a of a captain he was um, you know he certainly helped me settle in and he certainly gave me confidence and also he'd tell you as well when you didn't do something right or that he expected more from you. So he, he was very demanding in that way, but he was always for the team, always for the lads. So yeah, he was he was massive in, in me settling in as well. So yeah, we had a bit of everything in there. We spoke to Morris Malpass a few weeks ago and, and Morris was talking about that, that his time at, at Cali Thistle and, and, and working with Terry. We've touched on Terry already. Um, a lot of the guys have... have oh, it's, there's, there's no secret, isn't it, Terry... Uh, could go uh, crazy in the changing rooms, uh, but at the same time, very protective of his players as well. How do you look back? Um, because that was the the one season that the club that you spent with Terry. How do you look back over your time at working with Terry? You mentioned that he obviously sold you on the, on the move north, but when you reflect that season working with the man himself, how do you look back on that? Yeah, I look back. Look back very fondly, as you said. I mean, it's 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 funny to think about now. You know the way he used to go off, but he was completely right, and that's just how passionate he was. He wanted to win, um, and you know, there's, I'm sure you've heard many stories of him in the in the uh, in the dressing room losing his rag. Uh, but it, it was, and then he'd lose his rag in the dressing room. And then he'd carry on shouting out the corridor into his office and you could hear him sort of walking around the stadium. You could hear a voice walking around the stadium just from the dressing room. Um, so it was it it was brilliant in terms of that. But you always knew he had the he had the players' backs in public. He'd always look after the, look after you in public and it was that nice mix that he had. Uh, obviously you had Morris Morris in there as well, which when I first came when I first came to the club, he's very quiet. He's very quiet and he, he'll, he'll say things and it takes a lot for him to give you any praise whatsoever. But that, I think that means when he does give you praise, you, you really value it. Um, so that was that was the thing that I, you know, I felt really helped me in the long term at that season because he'd give me he'd give me praise and I knew when he did, it meant something. So um, during that time, just getting used to that, them two, they sort of work off each other nicely. Terry's the fiery one, he'll go... He'll go nuts at you, and then Morris is, is the quiet one that'll just sort of speak to you individually. But yeah, the the experience was great. Experience was great. Um, him, Terry as a manager, as I said, developed me really well. So you know I can't thank him enough for that. 
I think that the good cop, bad cop is often a cliche that's as mentioned uh, when you talk about managers and assistant managers. But I think when Morris could Morris go crazy as well, and surely the two of them going nuts, that would just be um, scary to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there was one. There was there was a few times where Morris would go crazy and Terry would just sit in the corner. <laughs> um, but they 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 definitely mirrored each other. So that. You know, as you said, it'd be good cop, bad cop. So the the were times when the when Terry was the good cop, which you were never quite expecting, and you were never quite expecting Mo to go mad. So when he did, it made prob- players probably switched on even more and thought, oh, oh, he's going mad this time, and Terry's not saying anything. So was that change in dynamic now and again mm-hmm. of of the way he said things? That really at home, I don't know if they practiced that. I don't know if they. they <laughs> Sort of went in with a with a plan each day. I don't know, but that's that's the way they did it, and it is very good the way they worked off each other. I think they probably did have a plan. Uh, they knew each other probably inside yeah. inside out. Um, you yeah. leave the club at the end of that season, as we touched on. You go to Stevenage. Um, however, your your chapter at Inverness, Cali Thistle, doesn't end there because you're back uh, a year and a half later. Uh, this time, of course, there are a lot of similarities in terms of your teammates. And most of your teammates from your, well, actually, there probably is a little bit of a change because that summer uh, there was a lot of kind of comings and going, but there's still a few familiar faces. Uh, and the big one is the, the the change in the dugout as well. Terry Butcher's no longer there. Uh, January 2014, you, you arrive back at the club. Um, again, talk to us about that the the decision to to rejoin Cali Thistle. How did that come about? And I'm assuming it's a bit of a, a no-brainer yeah. to rejoin the club. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a no-brainer, first and foremost, to come back. Um, I when I went down to Stevenage at the time, they just missed out on the playoffs to go into the championship, uh, and I thought it was a really good opportunity for me to go in and get promoted to the championship again the next season after, because that's what they were aiming for. Uh, it didn't quite happen in the first the first season I was there. Uh, it just we were we were top at Christmas and then we fell off. We had a few injuries. Um, I was out myself with a with a hernia. Mm-hmm. I had to have a hernia operation, so I was out myself. And um, yeah, we just fell off that season, and we lost we lost a manager that I really liked in Gary Smith. And Graham Wesley came in. Um, there's a lot of stories out there about him, uh, and they're all true. Um, so he's he's he was a bit of an oddball, to be honest. Without without um, saying too much he was a bit of an oddball to be honest and he's someone who didn't see eye to eye in terms of anything really football or as a man and it was hard it, it was hard to it was hard to play for him and it got to a stage where mm-hmm. I said to him you know I think it's best if we both if I leave and then I heard the heard the interest and the possibility of going back to Inverness and you know straight away as I said it was a no brainer uh, one thing I wanted to do when it came back, I hit the ground running, really, and sort of pick up where I left off when I left the first time. And you know, thankfully, one of the first games we had was the was the Hearts game, and it was a as you said, it's nearly seven years since the since the um, the sort of anniversary, if you like. So yeah, it was. It, I couldn't have asked for any for a better day, really, to sort of come back on. Yeah, that is your your. Your debut, your term, your first start, 
since rejoining the club. And as you mentioned there, we talked about it all fair. It's quite hard to believe that that game is um, it was now seven years ago. Now there will be a lot of yeah. Cali Thistle fans that will that will remember that day for uh, Nick Ross's equaliser and of course the penalty shootout win. And we've talked about this with with Nick as well. It was a moment that. Well, I'm sure I'll never forget anyway, and that's me with uh, with my uh, my heart's hat off and my Cali Thistle tie on. That's a it's a day it's a day that I'll never forget. That's for sure. But it all started with your thumping goal. You you, you said they are hitting the ground running. You you certainly did that. If I remember rightly, without watching it back, he cut in uh, off the left hand side and just wallop it past the goalkeeper. Uh, well, that must be up there with one of your your your. Well, I was going to ask you later on your best goal for Cali Thistle, but that must be up there with one of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think I think what ha- what happened with that is it's a weird, it, it's sort of a weird feeling. You don't really get it a lot as a player, but when you do, you never forget it. It was sort of that thing where yeah, the ball just sort of fell, fell nice for me, um, and I just sort of concentrated on hitting it, and it was only. Everything went really slow, so it was only when I seen it back later on. I think it was in the Cali Club, and I'd had a few good, good, good few drinks when I first seen it back. Um, because I just thought I'd, I'd hit it, and it's gone in at the near post. You know, I knew I'd connected with it well, but I didn't realise how well I'd hit it, um, and how sort of you know it looked quite good on TV. So I, it's only when I seen that that I really realised sort of how. You know how hard I hit it because I didn't really feel it hit me foot. It was one of them things where, I, you know, when they say yeah, everything slows down, and I just sort of concentrated on getting a clean connection, and that's sort of what it was. It wasn't really a case of it came out and I thought I'm going to smash this. I just tried to hit it as sweet as I could, and thankfully, yeah, it went in, and what a day! <laughs> You're right. Um, <laughs> whilst whilst uh, Gary Warren and Josh Meekings get sent off. Hearts, you know, make it 2-1. It looks like it's going to end in a disaster uh, for Cali Thistle because the year, obviously, before that, they lost on the same ground to the same team on penalties. Nick Ross pops up and equalises. What's what's your uh, main recollection of the game, other than your your goal you scored, of course, uh, while kind of all hell is is breaking loose uh, around you in that midfield? Yeah, I, I I remember when they scored and then we got the players sent off. We got... Uh, Josh sent off, and then we were. It was it Gaz first or Josh? Ga- Gary was first. Yeah, yeah. So Gaz went, and I thought, oh no. And then when Josh went, and obviously Hearts were two, two one up at the time. I thought, oh, I sort of. <laughs> I always thought though, uh, you know, the sort of my head said that this is done, but I always had an inkling that we'd get another chance. I don't know why. Uh, so it was pretty much. You know, I can't. I look at I look at the sort of the formation we set up, and I think Drapes went to centre half, and he was brilliant centre half Drapes that day when he when he had to fill in there. And then I was sort of in centre midfield on my own, and then he had we had two wingers, so we were playing like a. I think at some stage we were playing like a a three three two at some stage, and don't get me wrong, I was absolutely blowing because I hadn't really played in full nineteen. In a month, mm-hmm. so it was absolutely blowing. I just remember sort of like sort of the heart driving the fans, and they thought it was done. And I think that 
that did piss a few of us off to be looking at it. And then we, I always, as I said, they always thought we had that, we, had, we were going to have one chance. Um, and Nick Ross just wrote himself, go in, Nick Ross's goal, but it felt like it was in the air ready to go in for about an hour. Yeah, that, that, that goal from Nick Ross was, was, was something. And, and as we all know, it leads to a cup final. Um, Cali Thistle's kind of first major cup final as a club, a tremendous achievement for uh, the side. Uh, we all know that Aberdeen um, win. And I want to talk to you about Yogi because Yogi, as I say, there's a change in management there from from uh, from your first spell with Terry to John as uh, in your second spell. What was your kind of first? Um, uh, well, what's your first memory of of working with with John Hughes? Because as we both know, he's he's quite a character. Um, how how was the kind of first meeting between yourself and Yogi? He's he's he's, he's a large and life guy. Um, like as soon as I, as soon as I, co- I walked in, he was talking to me straight away about football, about <laughs> tactics, how he wants us to play, all about passing, and. To be honest, as soon as I heard what he was talking about, I, I just thought, you know, I've got it. I'm very lucky to sort of be here because uh, I felt he suited me the way he once suited my game really well. And I thought straight away, I was very, very impressed with his knowledge. Um, and then obviously even more impressed with Jordan at the course of the time I worked with him. Um, but straight away, you get impressed with his knowledge of the game. You think you know football, and I know a lot of few players have said this. You think you know football going in. You think yeah, I've played, played a few games. I understand the game, and then he talks you through it, and it's like it's a completely different sort of takes you up that two or three levels in terms of your knowledge of the game, and that's something I see straight away. Plus, he's just a likable guy as well. He's really like, and he's, you know, he works so hard on the training pitch with us. He did with us, and and just it, it was no surprise to me. It might have been surprise to everyone else, you know, what we did, but it was no real surprise to me what we did, considering the amount of, we did in training, the amount we worked on it. I stumbled across an old interview that um, John did on your contract extension. This is 2015 now, but it was I think it's relevant to you know your your working relationship with with John because he talks a lot about how. The, how the the side the the side would play you would be kind of key in starting that and and I know that was the analogy was used at the time about kind of quarterback if you like um, you were pivotal to to the way that that John Hughes and the team would play that must have been you know nice knowing that you know the manager reached you that highly to to be that kind of pivotal figure in the team that kind of starts everything yeah it was it gave me massive confidence um, I think. Any player will tell you if they if 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 they're fully aware that the managers, you know, it, it rates them, rates them to a good level, and is is fully behind them. It just gives you confidence. You can't help but not get confidence from that. Um, you know, I don't like the, the, there's players who say in the past, I don't really care what people think, or I don't really care what the managers think. You know, I just play my game. I. For for me, I'll be honest. I wasn't like that. I was, you know, I relied, I relied on that confidence from a manager, and you know, he gave me that. And as I said, you know, I felt, I felt during my time there, he took me up, he, he took and made me a better player than I thought I could be. 
Um, obviously, I, I always wanted to improve, but I felt like my best times were with him. And it's no sort of no coincidence that he believed in me so much, and that's sort of what what he got out of me. We were talking off mic about the you know differences in terms of football and the COVID era that we're living in. Of course, you can you know the the, the fans are not there, and you can pretty much hear everything that's going on in a working environment, which I actually quite like, you know, to hear managers and coaches and and the kind of the, the instructions that's getting put across. One thing that I always remember was, you know, if I ever took in a training on the pitch on a Friday was, did he always used to call you Tano? Was it Tano? Yeah. He'd yeah, always say, yeah. Tano! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, do you know, it, no matter where you were, Ibrox, Hamden, Parkhead, Tynecastle, anywhere, I knew that if I wasn't getting on the ball enough for him to get us playing, I'll he'll be screaming my name to do it. <laughs> and I could hear him anywhere. You probably say it now. I'd hear him in Liverpool. Probably did. Oh, loud. He used to shout. So yeah. So yeah. That that again. That was the. I, I understood that he rated me. So it was a case of he wants the the most out of me, and he was just he was always pushing me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I think that's. I remember the days where where he'd be shouting at me and we'd have a little bit back and forth forward sort of on the pitch but it was all sort of just because we both wanted to win and we both wanted to sort of achieve things that we, we thought we could at Inverness uh, yeah so he he wasn't shy about shouting my name at all at all but uh, but yeah he was just getting the best out of me and I did I did appreciate it another player another guy sorry that comes on the scene around about that same time is Russell Latipi um, a, a magician with the ball at his feet as a player uh, I know that a lot of guys enjoyed working with, with Russ at the time is he someone that you enjoyed working with as well in terms of that kind of creative aspect to the game yeah yeah he, he was he was another one he was a bit like he was a bit like Mo in terms of the com- compliments he used to give so because he was such a good player and as we used to do he was unbelievable he was unbelievable. Like his his touch and his his um his just awareness of what was around him, and he was so laid back as well. So it was like a case of you know you, you could go into a big game, you could be going into a big game where it be at say it's a Hamden or you know one of the old firm clubs or something like that, and you know there can be a bit of tension before the game in the in the dressing room. And then you just look at him and, and he couldn't get more relaxed if he tried. <laughs> you know, it was just... It, 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 him and Yogi sort of um, bounced off each other in a way. Because, as, you, as we said before, it was like good cop, bad cop. But then Yogi was just very animated, very outspoken, uh, very passionate about the game. And then Russ would just come up to you, give you a little word in the ear have a little joke and then just walk off like he was on the beach <laughs> it was it was brilliant I loved him I loved him I thought he was brilliant he uh, was, and his uh, knowledge of the game is unbelievable as well yeah he was he was as cool as a a cucumber that's for sure um, John yeah. Hughes we spoke to Yogi uh, before on the podcast and he tells the story about uh, Birmingham Airport where the, obviously Kenny was the chairman at the time and he, he said that Kenny was worried because a lot of the directors were Concerned about the season ahead, and they wouldn't win anything with this kind of ticky tacka style of football. But but Yogi said, "No, trust me, it'll, trust me, it'll work, etc." 
And it did work because that season, 24-15, of course, the club going winning the Scottish Cup. Could you see, in that kind of six months before that, working with Yogi, could you see what he was doing and could you could you see future success with that side? Yeah, definitely. I think, I think for a cup point or a cup perspective, that was massive for us. It was massive for me personally because I missed a pen in the in the final against Aberdeen, mm-hmm. and it was it was something that just ate away at me for the next season. I needed to put that right, um, and I remember at the start after that Birmingham game, which they said to, Birmingham said to us the players said to us, we couldn't get the ball off you. You know they they were really complimentary after the game, but we just got hit on the break. And they, and they scored, which, you know, it's a results business. I know it was a friendly, but it's a results business, and the board were probably thinking long-term, are we going to get caught up with this? So that the players heard that the that the board weren't sort of happy with the way they were play, we were playing. And, you know, there was games where we had against Fleetwood, um, a few other games where we just, we battered them, passing off the park, they didn't get a kick. But I think it was that Birmingham game that people started to worry. Uh, I remember after the after the training session, me and Scott Kelleher, I lived, I used to live sort of over the road from him. Mm-hmm. And I jumped in the car with him and he just dropped me off at home. And we were talking on the way, just saying how much that we wanted it to work for Yogi because the players had that much respect for him. Players had that much respect for him and we, we all bought into what, what he wanted. And we were all going in the right direction. Um, we just wanted it to work. And that was, at the start of the season, that was the biggest thing. We didn't really think long term, we just wanted it to work. And for us to sort of pay back his, sort of pay him back with his philosophy and things like that. Because during that pre-season as well, we didn't, we didn't do one double session. Mm-hmm. You we mentioned that, yeah. We were fresh as a daisy. Like, we'd come off sometimes we'd come off because we're used to with Terry and, and other managers where you double sessions you wake up in the morning you can't really walk down the stairs you sort of get in and just try and warm yourself up before training and then get through it but with this we were we were doing single sessions there was a bit of running in there but there wasn't anywhere near what we what, what I was used to mm-hmm. but a lot of it was with the ball in boxes training sessions five-a-sides he was building the sharpness up in there, and we'd we'd come off as players sometimes and go, "Are we out? Are we out again in the morning? In the afternoon? Sorry." And he'd be like, "No, no, that's us done." And it was like it was just a master plan. Like we, even as players, we'd be thinking, "Are we doing enough here?" And then obviously, you know, it's the the proofs sort of in the pudding, as they say in the start of the season. We we went on that we went on that run where we were unbeaten in the first five or six games. Yep. Yeah. Um, but- I think that's exactly what we need. We the players wanted for Yogi. Really, we wanted that good start to sort of prove to people that he was doing the right thing. Yeah, it was an incredible start that season. When you when you look at it, beat Celtic. I mean, top of the table, etc. Talk of Barcelona esque football. It was quite a quite an incredible start. But the 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 season, as we all know, the, the success just kept growing, and of course there was no. Rocky patch, if you like, the, the side just kept going. A, a small group of players as well. Um, we've mentioned, you know, dressing rooms before in terms of, you know, um, you, you touched on the the Inverness dressing room being one of the best. I mean, that that season must have been 
the best, if you like. I mean, the, the group of players that they that were involved there, it just looked like, I mean, these were an incredible unit. I heard a story actually recently in a, in a podcast uh, down down south, a footballer was talking about how the difference between one club to the next was one club used to take minibuses to the training ground and then one, one uh, club he was at it wasn't so good because they had a training ground in one of these complexes and, and it actually made me think of Cali Thistle because they still do that, they still drive to Fort George but we things like that built that team spirit and it was quite an incredible season in terms of spirit behind the scenes Yeah it was, that's the, that's the best dressing room I've ever been in by far and I'm sure a lot of other lads will say that it was just, it was like being in a dressing room with a, with a load of your mates working to the same goal it was just, you don't really get that a lot um, it's something I didn't I've I'd never experienced beforehand or after. Uh, you don't really get that a lot. And as you said there, the minibus to Fort George every morning. There was always something going on. There was always carry on, always people messing about and having a laugh. And then sort of you're having a laugh on the on the on the minibus, and then you turn off the train. And you've almost like go, oh yeah, we are training. Like it was, it was sort of a case of you're messing around with your mates and then you go in to play footy, come out, you're messing around with your mates in the dressing room as well, having a laugh. You go home, go for a coffee together and it was just it was just a, a perfect storm. In that case, we had unbelievable team spirit. We never knew when we were beat. Mm-hmm. We all got on great. A lot of, uh, so many good lads in that dressing room and it was... As I said, it was the perfect storm with Yogi behind that Russ, Russ there as well. It was, and you, you 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 don't really you don't really get a lot of or people don't really understand the amount of people that are in the training ground in the stadium day to day that are great as well. I mean, I, we used to have violas in the in the tea room and yourself would be in there and there'd be you know to be. Kenny, the chairman, had come in, and and things like that, and we'd all be sort of laughing together, having a having a having a crack together. So it was it was just the feel of the club. Mm-hmm. It's very it's a very special club. You don't really get that a lot anywhere, where everyone's that tight knit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's even still the the same with the club currently as well. I think they've still got that kind of uh, closeness about the place. I know you know there's obviously people I know that still. Uh, work there and things like that, you know, like Jack the Kitman's still there, for example, and, yeah. and Fiona behind the scenes, you know, and 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 the accounts girls, and there's still there's still that kind of same, you know, environment. I think that's you know, hopefully the club will continue to be like that as well. That season, of course, we know ends with success. However, there's one big scalp on the way. We talked about uh, Cummings together with Celtic already, but that semi final against Celtic, a lot of people have talked about it as the final that wasn't the final if you like because beating Celtic is a, a tremendous achievement at the best of times but almost felt like that was the cup final um, a game that had everything you know sending off penalties goals drama last minute winners it, it was um, for, for me anyway sitting watching that game it was just a quite an incredible game how was it to play in a game like that? Yeah it was it was sort of you don't really take you don't really take a lot in as a player. You just sort of deal with what's happening. Um, at the time, we started off really well that game, and we were playing at eleven v eleven. We were we were before um, 
Craig Gordon got sent off. Mm-hmm. We were we were holding our own. We were holding our own. We had chances. Um, we really we we sort of we didn't change our style to suit Celtic, which is what a lot of teams do. They sort of can abandon the normal style and go to just try and stop them playing. Again, it was a masterstroke by by John. We we went out and played the way we play. Um, yes, there was an element of luck with the with the Josh handball. <laughs> um, but I remember I, I remember watching that back actually and and looking at myself. Uh, and I'm actually on the on the camera in in the shot, just waving my finger at the ref, saying he hasn't touched them, sort of dismissing it. When in fact I could hear, I heard it as hand from where I was. Uh, it was just a natural reaction, but thankfully we got away with it. Uh, and since since that, I've always made a I always made a a beeline for Steve uh, Steve McLean was it Steve McLean? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the ref. Yeah. yeah, I always made a beeline for him afterwards where I, where I was at Saint Mirren if I seen him before I retired, and I'd be like, anytime you need a beer, I'll get you one. Anytime. <laughs> uh, we always used to have a laugh about that. So yeah, yeah, it was. And then from then on, you know, you look at their team. You had the had Van Dyke. You know, Lee Griffiths was 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 on fire. Um, and you know, I thought Marley Watkins that day was unbelievable. He was unbelievable that day. Putting himself about, um, put himself up against the best centre centre back in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you see the great ball by Ryan put Marley in and then he's, his sheer pace gets there before Craig Gordon and he goes down and then and then from then on really Celtic I know they scored the, the free kick John Gadetti scored the free kick but, but after that we just sort of dominated and controlled the game You scored the penalty in that game as well that must have been a, a big moment for you scoring in the I mean you scored in the semi-final uh, the year before against Hearts but, but scoring at Hamden that must have been a big moment for you it was it was it was a nerve-wracking moment um i've actually got in my house um my missus actually took a like a screenshot of when i've when i've i've took the pen and you just see all sorts of the crowd behind the hamden um big a big sort of canvas of it and at the time i was just trying to concentrate on sort of not letting it get to me because Craig Gordon took about five minutes to go off the pitch and I'm stood over the ball for a for a long, long period and um I think it was about five minutes it took for Craig Gordon to go off and the new keeper to come on. Uh, and one thing just just one thing I was I was just thinking about is I I hadn't forgot the the season before where I'd missed the pen at Parkhead. Um so I just made sure I didn't miss this one. And luckily he's gone the he's he's tried to guess early the keeper sort of made me mind up for me and I've I've just luckily enough I've, I've put it in but I thought yeah it was very nerve wracking that looking back it just makes me nervous if I was to watch it again uh, but at the time <laughs> it wasn't too bad <laughs> and as I say that, that, that game had everything David Raven pops up my winner to take the club to Hamden in the Scottish Cup final against Falkirk um now that game again, we had James Vincent on, and and uh, James Vincent, you know, talks about the the moment where he he latches on to the the spill from Jamie McDonald to to make it two one, uh, quite a quite an incredible way to to end quite an incredible season. Uh, talk to us about the moment that you you lead to, you you walk up the stairs to 
uh, at Hamden to collect that Scottish Cup because that's the moment that you work towards. You know, you want to go and win trophies, win national uh, cup finals, etc. Talk to us about the moment where you you lift the Scottish Cup. That must have been a really proud moment for yourself and your family. Yeah, it was. It was brilliant to have them there. I think I had, I had about ten of my mates there as well, and they were they were half cut at the time, <laughs> so I didn't really want to get them on the pitch because they probably got thrown off. Um, we got arrested or something. I think they probably did that day at some stage afterwards. But um, but yeah, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Like I, I just remember Yogi saying at the start, at the start, as soon as as soon as the final whistle went, he, he got everyone in and said, "Take everything in. Take pictures. Take everything in because this might not happen happen again. Because this you, you're very lucky to be in this situation now that you've won a a national trophy and." take everything in you can uh, and, and I made sure I did that you know from that year I've got a lot of pictures and a lot of great memories for myself and my family as well so it was just surreal I can't really it was one of those moments where you're trying to take everything in about walking up the stairs but you're also in that moment as well and I, I, I can still remember it now it was just it was surreal moments and I think only when you see the cup that you'd actually realise what we'd done because beforehand it's just sort of, you know, we're doing really well, we finished third in the league, blah, 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 Europe. But then you get that cup at the end of it and that was just, yeah, it was just something else in terms of a proud moment. Yeah, you, you never forget that. And you'll never forget the journey back at the E9. That must have been one of the best journeys oh. ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was chaos. It was just chaos. Like, as I said, it was, it was like, as I said, being in the dressing room was like being with your mates. Yeah. So it was just like a stag do. Afterwards, it was just like a stag do on the bus. And, you know, I think Gaz, Gaz was running around with no clothes on. Marley's probably got no clothes on as well. It's it's, it's high around the red. John Hughes, first time I've seen him drink, and now I understand why he doesn't, because <laughs> he's an abs- he was an absolute rocket on the uh, on the drink. Um, <laughs> he, was, he was walking up, sort of... <laughs> I think he, he kicked Aaron Doran in the head when he was uh, messing around with him when he was um, having a drink on the phone and his phone just went everywhere and the drink spilt and everyone was just laughing it was I, I just feel sorry for the driver who brought us back up because I don't know how the bus didn't tip over we had we had so much drink on there and there was so much going on I think we stopped and knocked the rider as well and completely took took over a pub and there was pints flying everywhere and everything. So these are days you you don't forget that. That's the best sort of... be one of the best days of our lives, that all of us. I I know why you had so much uh, alcohol because that bus actually had two two coach fulls of of alcohol because the, the chairman's bus, his alcohol ended up on your bus by accident. His cargo, if you like... So there was there was two lots of cargo. So I was on the dry bus heading back up to uh, oh, up to no. So, but you, uh, you listen, you guys deserved it more than us. That's for sure. No, we used. Uh, that's what I said. I said it's the it was a whole club thing. I, I remember John saying it, it. You know, everyone's involved in this from from him to to the groundsman to everyone, and it's a special club. So people in the background and people who do so much like yourself at the time and and others. It was, 
they created the atmosphere. We all created the atmosphere for ourselves. So I'm sure you, I'm sure you, uh, you caught up when you got back, though. Oh, I don't, hey, don't worry about that. Yeah. I was just, um, <laughs> we, we were, I was I talking to my wife about this the other day because we were laughing because um, Ken, Ken Thompson, one of the directors who sadly is no longer with us, he on the way back up the road. Now this Ken's, Ken was my kind of guy because he'd phoned ahead and got the biggest Chinese banquet you've ever seen in your life and it, it lay it lay at the side of the, the function suite at the club. It lay kinda at the side. And uh, and then everyone after a while was like, right, let's get involved here and I mean he, it was there was everything. I think he he basically bought the whole Chinese Melbourne takeaway and and they delivered a, a massive kind of buffet to I mean it was just it was brilliant. But that was that that was my highlight of the night, but that says more about me uh, in my stomach. Um <laughs> Greg, uh, no, that that I think I was in that Chinese as well. I had to go cover anything as well. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, Greg, that season was uh, was tremendous. It led to Europe um the season after as well. Now I know that the club um you know obviously were beaten by Astra Gerju over the the two legs in the first round, but but to get to Europe and 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 be involved in that kind of European experience as well, that's another uh, some another kind of big milestone for the club as well. And you know you, you were part of the team that got to Europe and also played in, in Europe as well. Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. I think I just I still I still have regrets about about that game where we uh, the game at home where they scored the free kick. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it was one of them things where, where yeah, you, you still have regrets about that where the, the free kick went in. But the, these things that sort of happen, and we, we, we dominated, we dominated a lot of the game at home and away. It was just, it was just finding that goal really that we were lacking. Um, but the, main, the the good thing and the positive thing was, was a great experience for the fans. The fans were unbelievable over there. Uh, I've heard stories. Afterwards, about sort of the the time the fans had, and and you could hear them throughout the game. You could hear them in the warm up, and it was for that for that sort of for the fans. I think it was brilliant. Just as the players, we felt we should have gone through mm-hmm. and had you know. I know Astra had West Ham in the next round, and I think that I would have been a good. That would have been a brilliant sort of start to our season if we drew West Ham. But these these things that happen in Europe. The different the different games when you play in sort of these continental sides they're very tricky to you know even though they're not the greatest side they, they're very sort of well drilled and they know how to play the game there's a lot of sportsmanship going on slowing the game down and things like that and I think I think if we were to do it again been able to do it again we would have sort of really focused on on the little things that really they did that you know we could have we could have done better with but you know, this is hindsight's a wonderful thing, and it was a great experience either way. John Hughes leaves at the end of that season. Uh, your last full season with the club is sixteen seventeen. Uh, it's a very difficult season for the club. Of course, we all know it ends in in, in relegation. Um, you sign a pre contract with Aberdeen towards the end of that season as well. Um, Never nice to talk about, you know. Obviously, a, a a poor season on the park, in which we know ends in relegation. Were you a bit gutted about how? Well, more probably more than a bit gutted. Were you uh, gutted at how kind of everything kind of worked out that season under under Richie's tenure? Yeah, yeah. I still, I still am now. To be honest, I still am now. It's something that that uh, 
that you know I still I'm still good to the boat now just for for a culmination of things really um obviously since since I left Ab- since I left Inverness and went to Aberdeen I've just been plagued with injuries so it was but that that sort of that stuff's happened I couldn't really it was out of my control really but mm-hmm. but for that that season is, is something that you know it, it still hurts now uh, just for a number of reasons the fact I love the club um the fact I love the club so much I had to I felt I was in a position where I felt I had to move up move on because I felt the club was going in a direction which we'd spoke about we were trying to sort of that the players we were aware of the season before before John left and I think it was very unfair that the club sort of put Richie in the hot seat um, I think I think people forget how, how good of a player Richie was because mm-hmm. his because he, he basically was given the job and was you know just, we brought players in a lot, a lot of players left important players left and you know the players that came in for whatever reason and ourselves and the players that were still there just didn't do it for them um, and I think people forget people maybe get caught, caught up on that a little bit about him as a manager um, but as a player that's what that's sort of what I remember him by uh, he was he's fantastic he was fantastic probably the best with Gary Warren in the Gary Warren and him are the best sort of the leaders, best leaders I've I've been with on a football pitch. Um, I was just I was gutted for him to be honest. I was yeah. gutted for him as well. Uh, it was it, it's it's also you sort of going from one extreme to the other, and yeah, it was it was a tough one to take really. It was a tough one to take, and as I said, it's something I'm still gutted about now. I just want Inverness to get back in the in the Premiership to be honest. Yeah, absolutely, and, and fingers crossed that they they can find a way. Um, to to obviously there's um, you know Hearts are in the championship this season and, and look like they're kind of cruising towards that title, but there's obviously playoff places up for grabs as well. And we all hope that um, yeah. Inverness can can get up at least through the, the playoffs. Um, Greg, you mentioned yeah. you touched on there. Obviously, you moved to Aberdeen. Now I know we joked about it at the start, but you have you had you, you played three times for Ross County, but injuries were becoming a a, a kind of big. Uh, a big part of your life at that time. There was obviously, you know, injury problems uh, whilst you were at Aberdeen, and and you touched on it there. You you, you had a spell at St Mirren uh, just before you ended your your playing career. Injuries, obviously, you know that injury ultimately ended your career. We're we're, we're teaming up with uh, Mikey's Line, a, a charity in Inverness, to promote uh, mental health uh, awareness and uh, yeah, you know, in terms of all aspects of mental health. Mentally, how did you? cope with that uh, with that injury that as I mentioned did ultimately mean that you had to hang up your boots because mentally that, that that must have been a tough thing to deal with yeah yeah I've spoke I've, I mean it was terrible I've, I've spoke about it openly you know during that time when I was when I was injured because I hadn't really stepped through the door I played a few games for Aberdeen in the league mm-hmm. uh, five or six games in the league and a few games in Europe for them um, but but then the, the injury hit and I just it was just a routine injury that you know, I, I'd never really had a had a, a track record with injuries ever. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I was ever injured at Inverness. I uh, missed games through suspension, but my fitness was always bob on because I did take a lot of time off the pitch to keep myself right. Um so when that sort of everything got turned upside down, 
and there was there was things going on to do with how I got injured in terms of uh, things I'm not gonna I can't really I'm not really gonna go into but it was terms in terms of surgeries and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um it was a lot of it was taken out of my control so I was just sort of left with it. And left with sort of living in a house living in my house in Aberdeen sort of by myself at the time and it looking back it was not a good environment to be in um for, for my mental health. Um and I'd never I've always been open. I've, ne- I've never, never really struggled at all with mental health before then. But I knew something was wrong just by the way I was feeling mm-hmm. at that time. And it can happen to anyone. You know, I was... People might have looked at me at the time and, and thought, right, well, what's his problem? He's just injured his place for Aberdeen. But, the, you know, these are... Everyone's got their own sort of... Own things going on. And, and I knew my career was a threat. And, you know, I went through a stage where I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't deal with it and it was yeah it was since then I've really because I've come out the other side now and you learn more about it Mm -hmm. and it's something I didn't really consider beforehand or didn't really think twice about I never really had an issue with it but when it happened that way and I knew obviously my career was at stake and then I'm being told you know numerous times that I should retire you know it was just it was just one of them things that happen in your life that can really test your mental health and it tested mine, you know, to the max. In terms of the, I mean, the physical health, I mean, your injury, you can obviously, you know, there's people to go and speak to in terms of doctors, physios, surgeons, etc. In terms of your mental health, when you are aware that, you know, your 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 mental health is not uh, in, a right, in the right place, who did you speak to anyone at all? Did you, Who did you reach out to or how did you deal with it? Yes. I spoke to the I spoke to the PFA. I okay. spoke to the PFA about it, and I went through. Uh, I had some chats with with some guys there. I went. Some, I had some chats with some guys there. I was also talking to because I, I luckily enough I was very proactive with it. So I I seek the help straight away as soon as I knew something wasn't right and I wasn't feeling myself. I seek the help straight away. That's the best thing to do. And I talked about it and just be open. I was just open about it because. I had nothing to hide. I had nothing to, to worry about. I didn't really, you know, it, it was an honest sort of, com- honest conversations that, you know, everyone in the world suffers from mental health at some stage in life. It's nothing. There was a stigma to it. I think that's being eradicated a little bit now. Um, and it, it's good because pe- more people need to speak about it. Um, and yeah, so as I said, I spoke to the PFA. There's also, there also a guy called John Johnston who has just released a book on the, the football mindset, it's called. Okay. I had numerous sort of chats and met up with him a lot. Um, and he, he just just basically to talk about things and he puts, he, he's really good at putting things in, into perspective. Um, and, and yeah, it was just a, what helped me through it is reaching out to people, talking to people and just coming, you know, being honest about how you're feeling. And yeah, it, it, since then, you know, I look at it, it's probably the worst time in my life, looking at it now. But it's probably made me a lot stronger now, going forward, because you have them experiences. So I'd say to anyone doing it, struggling with it, especially now in lockdown, the way things are. Yep. You know, people are going to, your mental health is going to be tested anyway. So just speak about it, be open. I'd say that's the best thing to do. Luckily enough, that's what I did. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as I mentioned there, we're, we're kind of... Um, 
offering and uh, we're promoting Mikey's line to raise awareness in this area. There are charity that deal with uh, mental health and they can help as well. But uh, in terms of um, yourself, Greg, you've retired now. How are how are things just now? What are you? What's on the What's on the go for yourself other than uh, going for dog walks and lockdown? Yeah, yeah. Well, well. At the at the minute, I did my uh, my coaching, the me B license okay. in the summer, just gone. So I've done that. Um, I'm looking to set up when all the lockdown finishes. I'm looking to set up a a, a soccer school. Soccer school for young young people, mm-hmm. young people wanting to get involved in football, and I also so I want to do that in the summer, get all that started, and I'm also at the minute I work in I work in cars, so I work for I work for a company called Zuto that um, that basically deal with car finances. So okay. I, I, I sort people out with cars and car finances. I've always been interesting cars so yeah it was pretty much a no-brainer to go in on that way uh, I got offered the job and it's I'm sort of really enjoying it and it's keeping me keep me occupied through this through this lockdown as well so um, the dog doesn't get walked walk too much now whereas before I started the job he did so yeah it gives him a bit of a break as well so uh, so yeah yeah I think I'm keeping busy that's the main thing to do try and keep as busy as you can keep your mind active and things like that mm-hmm. and um yeah i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying it good good well greg it's been it's been brilliant to chat to you no doubt there'll be um plenty of notifications on your timeline from cali thistle fans retweeting that goal that you scored of course in the in the league cup semi-final against hearts uh we all know it was a, an absolute a cracking goal and uh well just one of of many uh Belting goals he scored. How do we look through it on YouTube a couple of days ago? Some of the goals he scored for Cali Thistle. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to big you up because you're on the other end of the line, but I mean, some cracking goals uh, from your from your time and some cracking memories uh, from your time at Cali Thistle. When you look back at that, you know the the time that you you spent at Cali Thistle. How, how do you sum up those uh, those years that you had with Inverness? Yeah, well, I mean, I said I said I've got. I've still got sort of. I still feel gutted about the the relegation in the last season, um, but a lot of pride, a lot of uh, pride, really. You know, you feel like, you know, I feel like us as a team that year really accomplished something, and mm-hmm. I'm winning something as well. You know, most footballers go through the careers, and it's 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 you know, winning trophies are very hard to come by. So, I think I think the fact we did that. I'm sure it created a little bit of history for the club. It's always nice to look back on when you're finished. So that's 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 the predominant memory I have of Inverness. Just how much I loved it up there and, and, and what we achieved during that year. Greg, pleasure to catch up with you again. Um, and uh, well, wish you all the best with the, the coaching and, and soccer schools, etc. And uh, yeah, really good to, to reminisce about some uh, cracking years at Cali Thistle. And, and thanks for your time. Uh, no problem, pal. I really enjoyed it. Good to talk to you, Aldi. Cheers, mate.